0: Good evening, for those that don't know me, my name is Brian Tillman, Uh, you planted me at River Bend 12 years ago, and so uh, it's my honor and privilege to come back tonight and continue our journey through the book of Psalms, and we will be in Psalm 112 this evening, Psalm 112. So let's go ahead and I'll read it. We'll open with a word of prayer and we'll move this evening. Psalm 112, starting in verse 1, states this Praise the Lord! Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who dwells, who deals, excuse me, who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that you have have written to us a letter. God, as we walk through one of the passages of that letter from you, would you speak? Would you speak to us as individuals, as families, as a part of a faith family this evening. God draws close to you. And may, as we walk through this passage, as we walk out of this building, may you be honored and you be glorified. We ask it all in Christ's name, amen. Two weeks ago, I believe, you walked through Psalm 111, and Psalm 1. 11 and Psalm 112 are actually a pair that go side by side. They are both written in the same structure. They are both written very similarly. And for us to understand Psalm 112, I need us to go back to Psalm 111, verse number 10. So let me read for us Psalm 111, verse 10 states this in Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 was trying to get this point across, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And as we look at Psalm 112 this evening, I've got two comparisons. It's really one comparison with two men and a number of qualities about both of them. A comparison of two men and a number of qualities in their lives from both of these men. The first man is this. wise man fears... Jehovah, a wise man fears Jehovah. This past week, we at River Bend started a sermon series on the names of God. And the uh, first name that we threw this past Sunday was Jehovah. And that name is stated twice here in verse number 1 of Psalm 112. Every time in the Old Testament you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the name Jehovah, or it is the name Yahweh. Both of them are used interchangeably in the Old Testament, and that name, Jehovah, it's translated English, Lord, but that name Jehovah is the personal name of Almighty God. So, the psalmist is writing to Israel. He's writing to describe this wise man who fears Jehovah. And as he does that, he says, Hey, here's his personal name. I'm not just talking about God, some generic name. I'm not even talking about one of the characteristics of God or the attributes of him, because that is all the other names in the Old Testament, like. Jehovah-Jireh or Jehovah-Shalom. That's a characteristic or an attribute of this God, of Jehovah. But this is his personal name. And his personal name is stated here, praise Jehovah. Blessed is the man who fears Jehovah. Now, if we're just talking for a second, when you read that first verse, what does it sound like when it starts out by saying, Blessed is the man who does this or is that? What does it sound like? Sounds like you'll prosper? Yes. Let me ask it a different way. Where else have you heard something similar in scripture that starts out with blessed is the man or blessed are those who are, I don't want to give away the answer just yet. I want you to think about it for a second. The Beatitudes, and they are found in the Gospel of Matthew, right? So in Gospel of Matthew, there are some Beatitudes, and this psalmist is writing very similarly Matthew recorded what Jesus said there in the Sermon on the Mount, as he began the Sermon on the Mount, as Beatitudes. Blessed. We stated what it means. Prosper. Anybody else got a definition of what blessed might mean? Happy. Yes. Blessed. Happy. So happy is the man. happy is the man in his life, if he does what? Fears the Lord. not a raise of hands, but just a question. Do you fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? but before we can before we can talk about all these different qualities that we're going to get to in verses two through nine about this man. This wise man, he says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Okay, respect, honor, to be safe in. Make sure I heard you. All right, let's do some Bible surfing for a second. I need somebody to turn to Revelation chapter 1. And uh, read for us, we're going to read verse 17 and possibly verse 18. I can't remember if it's in 17 or 18, but it's in one of those two verses. So somebody turn there. Then I need somebody to turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to read verse 6. And then finally, I need someone to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we're going to read verse eighteen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Who's got it? Yes, ma'am. 17 and 18. We're good? So in that passage, in verse 17 and 18, here's what happened. John, who was on the Isle of Patmos, because of Jesus, he was placed in, um, in a labor camp, and he's there, and one day, Jesus shows up. You can go back and read the first part of that chapter, and when he shows up, he starts talking. He's got this sound, like there's many waters coming out of his mouth as he's talking, and then he sees him and when he sees him he was afraid same word that's translated from the old testament into the new testament for this word and he did what he fell on the ground, like a dead man okay question when's the last time you fell on the ground like a dead man because you in fear Don't be afraid. Hey, John, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and picked him up. Matthew chapter 17. Who's got Matthew 17 for us? Matthew 17, verse 6. Yes, ma'am. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were much afraid. Matthew chapter 17 is Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are on top of the mountain. Jesus is there, and all of a sudden, two other people show up. And Peter's like, "Whoa, this is awesome. We need to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And just like that, Moses and Elijah are gone. God speaks and says... <clears throat> This is my son. In essence, don't worry about Moses. Don't worry about Elijah. Focus on him. The disciples fell on their faces and were afraid. Fear. Yes, you and I, you and I are to have a respect and an honor for God, and I believe that we do, but a part of fear is when you and I really see who he is, when we come in contact with who he is, we're different because of him. Solomon wrote it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Who's got that for us? Yes, ma'am. whole duty if you want to know what your purpose is if you want to know the reason that you are breathing right now that you are not six feet under that god didn't save you and then just take you to heaven the reason you're here sir ma'am the reason we're here it's the whole duty of man to fear him and the psalmist getting back to where we are tonight the psalmist says hey If you want to be happy, if you want to have a blessed life, then it would be wise for us to fear the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship Him. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His commandments are... The pages that we have in front of us his word a few weeks from now you will spend i'm guessing i don't know the outline of what's to come on wednesday nights but i hope you spend more than one week on psalm 119 if you spend one week i hope i'm not the one who is asked to speak on psalm 119 176 verses, I'm not going to steal much thunder from whoever does it, but 176 verses, and every single verse out of it has something to do with the law, commands, precepts, words, statutes. It's God's Word. And it would behoove us. We want a blessed life, a prosperous, a happy life. To greatly delight in this word. Ask you a question. No answers. Do you delight in his word? Do you delight in it? A couple times a week? Do you delight in it? Early in the mornings? Do you delight in it? Late at night? Do you delight in it once a month? If we delight in something, we want it more and more and more and more. You know, one of the prayers that I pray for my two kids, they are now 17 and 14, and I pray it as often as I open the word, is that God would give them a love for his word that they would delight in his word. Why? Because of this right here. A wise man fears Jehovah. A wise man fears the Lord. What are some of the qualities? If we see this wise man, and he is the one who fears Jehovah, some of the qualities that are spoken of Two through 9 of this wise man the first is this that what we just stated that he delights in God's word a wise man delights in his word second we see that his offspring his offspring will be mighty in the land look there at verse number 2 his offspring who's the wise man Otherwise, down here through this passage, he's not only a wise man, but he's a righteous man. That's what he is spoken of as. But his offspring, they will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Same word, used twice there in verse 1 and now in verse 2. They will prosper. His offspring. As I was reading that earlier, it reminded me of what Solomon wrote, in Proverbs, states, Brian Tillman translation, right, states this, that it's not just the man who gives uh, an inheritance to his children that is blessed, but I'm telling you, it is great, this man is great if he gives an an inheritance to his children's children. That's the great man, similar to this this offspring of this wise man will be mighty and the generation of the upright, not just one, not just a family, but a whole generation of the upright will be blessed. If you're looking for a quality of a wise man, look at his kids. Look at those that are close to him. Look at those in his family. The psalmist states not only that he delights in God's word, His offspring will be mighty in the land, but that third one there, we see it. Wealth and riches are his. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. In these verses, in verse number 3, we see that this fortune, and it's kind of played at verse number 10 with misfortune, and we'll talk about the wicked man toward the end this evening, but we see this righteousness. It's double-faceted. It's endlessly right with God and constantly committed to righteousness of life. I used to teach a uh, 7th and 8th grade Bible class before we moved to Hernando, and in that class it was an interesting group of kids, and I said, I have one rule for you. It's the do right rule. If you would just do right, I won't have a problem with you. What you need to know is they ran off three preachers before me in that class in one year. And the principal came to me and just begged me, will you please just make it to the end of the year? This is at a Christian school in South Mississippi, and I was like, surely I can make it to the end of the year. I mean, it's May the 1st. No, it wasn't. But um, I said, I- I'll make it through the end of the year. And so from day one, I said, all I have is the do right rule. Just do, if you do right, then we're going to be all right. How fast do you think they tested me? First minute of the first day after I got that rule out of my mouth. But you know what? The righteous man, what does that mean? It means that they were doing right. If you do right, you and I, if we do right, men and women, this is what it means. It means that you and I, on a daily basis, you and I, even as we decide one time after another after another, those decisions are adding up to the day, those decisions are adding up to our lives. Such a person, the psalmist is stating to you and me, that we will endure forever. The psalmist is writing, you and I need to understand this, the psalmist is writing looking forward to an event. That event is Calvary. The psalmist, it's veiled to him. He does not understand exactly what is going to take place. But you and I, we read this, it was written hundreds of years before Calvary, we're standing 2,000 years after Calvary looking back at it. And we see exactly that. The psalmist is stating, God is stating to you and me through the psalmist that the righteous man endures forever. So, no show of hands. How many of us are righteous in and of ourselves? None of us. God knew that and said, hey, if the righteous man endures forever, you and I can't make that. Therefore, I've got to send myself, my son, to do that for you. And because of that, you and I are righteous. Paul stated it this way in 1 Corinthians. He became sin. Not he took on sin. No, he became sin so that you and I might have his righteousness. And because you and I have his righteousness, we will be righteous forever. Forever. We see this righteousness played out. Wealth and riches are his wealth and riches it is a physical aspect of life wealth and riches they are his and his righteousness endures forever then we see this number four he is merciful he is gracious and righteous this man the man who fears the Lord, fears Jehovah, is merciful, gracious, and righteous. Tomorrow I'm going to stand and I'm going to preach a funeral. And as I stand and preach a funeral, I'm going to talk about the gentleman that is deceased. One of the things that happens at funerals, right? You ever thought about what somebody would say at your funeral? The psalmist is writing a great word for us about this man, about this person, that person who fears the Lord is one who is merciful. What a characteristic to have. What an attribute of one's life if it is true of us, and it should be. Because so much mercy has been given to us, we should show it to others. So much grace has been given to us, we should show it to others. If there is an attribute or a characteristic of our lives as a Christ follower, as a believer, should it not be that of His righteousness given to us? He is merciful, He is gracious. And he is righteous. I love number five. Reminds me of a Western. If you look there in verse, in those next few verses, it states this that light dawns in the darkness for the upright. What does that mean? It means that there's not a night. Light is dawning, and what happens when dawn occurs? Darkness flees. He's gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. I just think of a Western where the guy in the white hat, because the guy in the white hat's always the right guy, right? And he does everything by the book. I stated it this way in the, in the notes, that he's a, sharp, he's a straight shooter. He's generous. And he is there, and as he is there, this generous, straight shooter, he is allowing those around him to see a correct life day after day after day. Do You know, people are looking at you, they're watching you. Even when you don't think they're watching you, they're watching you people of all different ages, not not just young kids, all different ages. And they come up, and I can't remember them for anything. And they say, you remember that time you said this? You remember that time that I saw you and we did this? No, I don't remember it at all. I hope I was doing right that day. But people are watching. And as they are watching you, what are they seeing? Are they seeing you cut corners? Are they seeing are they seeing you do this, be a straight shooter? Are they seeing you be generous with time? Are they seeing you be generous, as we'll talk in just a moment about uh, finances and how you give, but people are watching may you and i be like this man this quality of this man and that of a straight shooter and that of a man or a woman who is generous the next one is that he'll be remembered he'll be remembered forever you know, there are moments in life that, that we remember. It's a moment in life whether it is something that happened on a national level, an international level. There are moments uh, in life that happen and we remember them because of the, the, the stamp that was imprinted on us as individuals or a family. Every single one of us have those moments. We have those moments as as a as a nation, like 9-11, or um, where were you when the space shuttle blew up? One of those moments, uh, my wife's here, but one of those moments in, in our lives, I, I remember the moment that I got the news that she was in a head-on collision in 1998. It is a moment on April the 27th that I'm always going to remember it one of our best friends. It's his birthday. I didn't remember that for anything But I remembered April 27th because that was the day that she was in a head-on collision Remember the day. I remember the time remember what I was doing five minutes beforehand We have those moments, and we remember those moments Do you have those moments spiritually? You have those mile markers that you have written down that you have. Man, that is a moment. I was on the mountaintop right then. God spoke right then. I tell you, the last time that I read Psalm 112, this happened. I don't know how many of you journal. I don't as much as I should. But there are moments when I'm reading God's word and he just speaks And I can't get past it until I just start writing down all these things. And it's because of Him. And if I didn't do that, guess what? Six minutes later, I would forget it. It'd be gone. But those words and that moment, that instance, maybe it's moments when you got to talk to your kids about Jesus. Maybe it's a a time that you... Saw them be baptized. Um, one of our families at church this past week, um, she had the great opportunity to go see her dad. Her dad, for years, I mean decades, just was totally against Christ, totally against the church. Thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Got saved a few weeks back, got baptized. Huge celebration. And she had the great I was like, you will remember that. It will be an awesome time as something has changed in your family from death to life are there's those moments you will be remembered forever he trusts in the lord even in hard times he trusts in the lord even in hard times let's talk about some hard times for a second I read a sermon by uh charles spurgeon on uh hard times and uh he, He brought out three different times that might be hard. Let me share those with you, and I got a quote from him. I think that quote's on your sheet of paper, but he said this. Hard times are bad news concerning the things of this world. Do you trust in the Lord during hard times? What's the... What's the first thing you think about when the car breaks down? You know, Travis sitting in here right now. We'll talk about Travis for a second. Travis's car just got totaled, right? Yep, last week was in a wreck. And gone. Car's gone. Gone. Going down the interstate, wreck, gone, right? There's two ways to look at that. Man, there's this car that I had, and now I've got to go get another car. And how's, how in the world is all this going to work out? Or, you know what? Just metal. Got me from point A to point B. Praise God, I'm okay. Everybody else is okay. It's just a car. How do we look at things of this world when they go haywire? water heater burst and just it's in the attic and everything underneath it is just a puddle what about things in this world lose a job can't make ends meet where do we look to what are we stating spurgeon is like when bad news comes concerning the things of this world are you trusting in the lord you go to the doctor and the diagnosis is not pleasant months weeks possibly days bad news concerning things of this world what about bad news concerning Spiritual matters. You and I are in a battle. There is a war that is raging right at this moment, spiritually. And the enemy does not want you to advance a centimeter. And he is doing all that he can think of to stop our king. And there's a spiritual war that is going on. And when bad news when bad news happens in spiritual matters, I think of, I think of three friends of mine, personal friends of mine, pastors who, because of their choices, morally, they fail. Bad news in spiritual matters. He who trusts in the Lord. This righteous man, even in the midst of hard times? And then as I stated, tomorrow I will stand and preach a gentleman's funeral. What happens when life comes to an end and there is a death? Do you trust in the Lord? Let's read the quote. It may be of great service to us, It may be of great service to us to remember the dreary fact, for it may lead us to set loose by by earthly things. Let us chew this very bitter morsel for a moment or two. There is nothing very palatable or pleasant in the recollection that we are not above the shafts of adversity. And that is a meaty part of the statement. Let me finish it and we'll come back and chew on it for a second. But it may be humble, excuse me, but it may humble us and prevent our boasting with the psalmist. My mountain stands firm, I shall never be moved. It may stay us from taking too deep root in this soil from which we are so soon to be transplanted into the heavenly garden. Do you understand his argument? His argument on one level is this. When you go through hard times, it's just a reminder for you that this place is not your home. When you go through hard times, not if you go through hard times, but when you go through hard times, and those hard times sometimes are about this deep. Those hard times are sometimes like this deep. And then those hard times are taller than this building. But, but when you go through those times, long Point, understand that it is to show you. One of the reasons is to show you that this place is not your home. That you and I are to continue to look to him because that is our home. That's our dad. That's our Father, and that is where we will spend eternity. So no matter if the hard times are things of this world, no matter if the hard times are spiritual matters, or even at the end of our lives, and we come to death physically. All of those things, all of those things are to show us how great our Lord, how great Yahweh is. So Let's pick it apart for just a second. Because it is so full and vivid, this quote. Let us chew this very bitter morsel for a moment or two. There is nothing very palatable. You know, when I read that, I thought of something that you just can't get the taste out of your mouth. It, it wasn't good going down, and it just stuck with you like two hours later. You're, you're still, you have that taste in your mouth. And sometimes that's hard times. You, you try to get away from it. You, you try to take some time away from the job. You got a weekend coming up. You got vacation, and you're trying to get away from it, but you just can't get past it. Nothing very palatable. Nothing very pleasant in the recollection that are not above the shafts of adversity. You know, when you and I go through hard times as sons and daughters of the king, maybe sometimes our thoughts are, God, "If God, if you really are good, why would you let me go through this? And in the moment, it... If we're honest, in the moment, it's hard to, to think straight of possible reasons why. But maybe tonight, for those of us that aren't in the midst of a hard time, maybe we can take just a moment and we can think about, why would the Lord let us go through that? Go back 1998. For seven weeks, I got to go to the hospital every single day. For seven weeks, I got to meet people that I would never meet who were in the same position that I was in, meaning that they had a loved one that was in ICU in the hospital in a terrible state physically. And I had the opportunity to talk. How in the world are you making it through it? Well, I'm not. Okay, so let's sit and let's talk about it. Had the opportunity to talk to a a uh, family that he was a member of a gang in Durham, North Carolina, where she had the wreck, was in Durham, and we were living there at the time. And I had the opportunity to talk to his girlfriend because he had his mouth wired shut because somebody had shot him. And we sat for 45 minutes, and we just talked about Jesus. She came to know the Lord. Two days later, he came to know the Lord. She wouldn't have had a wreck. I wouldn't have been there that day. Not to say that they wouldn't have been saved, but I had the opportunity to be there and see that. Had the opportunity to talk to a uh, lady. Her daughter was in a wreck. My mom is still friends with her. They talk about every week. She lives in Virginia. My mom lives in central Mississippi. It is crazy. We don't know on this side of it why we go through it sometimes. We may not know until we get to heaven. And then it really doesn't matter, does it? Because our whole focus will not be on what we went through. It will be on the one that we see. But you're going to go through hard times. And as the king's son and as the king's daughter, when you go through adversity, and we will, the world is watching. How will you respond to hard times? A family that is around you needs to see the witness of an adult, spiritually speaking, of a mature adult believer walking through hard times. Neighbors need to see it. Coworkers need to see it. Acquaintances, even strangers, are watching So as we go through the shafts of adversity, may we trust in the Lord. A final quality is there, that eighth one that I wrote down for us. He's a generous giver. The one who fears the Lord, the one who fears Yahweh, is one who has distributed freely, Verse number 9, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The picture is this, that if there's a need, he's willing to meet it. If you were to look in Acts chapter 5, you would see the whole church, that first century church, that first group of believers, there were needs galore. They were happening on a daily basis and they were willing to give whatever because of the needs. Are we generous givers? Maybe a question needs to be asked before we even ask that. Are we in a position where we could be generous givers? Financially, are we at a place in our lives where we could be generous givers? And if we are, are we generous givers? Or are we hoarding the things that we have for the proverbial rainy day? The psalmist states, for you and for me, The man who fears the Lord, that happy, prosperous, blessed man is one who gives generously. May you and I be that. May we have all these qualities. And then we see this second man. So let's talk for a few moments about this second man. Verse number 10 shares with us a second man. Not only do we see a man who is wise and the one who fears the Lord, But we see an evil man, and this evil man despises it, and this evil man perishes. Let me read for us verse number 10. The wicked man, the evil man, sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. What does he despise? He says he despises it. What's it? Verses 1 through 8, 1 through 9. What does he despise? He despises the righteous man and how he lives. He despises the righteous woman and how she lives. He despises everything that is right. He despises all those qualities that we just walked through. He despises the Lord. The wicked man sees it, and he's angry. The wicked man gnashes his teeth. You know when I read that, what what a vivid phrase that is. When I think of gnashing teeth. You know that, that moment when your teeth don't meet like they're supposed to meet and there's just a little just a little off kind of like your fingernails on a chalkboard and it just ooh just makes you shake for just just a brief second when he gnashes his teeth. Gnashing one's teeth is a sign of anger it is gritting they they are pushing their teeth so much together something has got them so fired up that they are going back and forth and it is just grinding their teeth jesus spoke of it in the gospels as a part of torment as a part of punishment as a part of death and hell an eternity away away from him. It's a place of gnashing of teeth, Jesus spoke of as Gehenna. This man desires not the Lord, but this man desires the desire of the wicked. Those things that they desire, they're all going to pass away. They're all going to perish. The things that are of this world, the things that don't last, the things that are temporal, the things that don't matter because it is not the Lord. So the psalmist, as he wrote Psalm 111 and as he wrote Psalm 112, he says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because of the place where you are. Praise the Lord because of the qualities of a right man or a right woman are laid out in front of us. Praise the Lord because of who he is. May we, as we go through our week, we go through our days, hard times and not, easy days, easy weeks, hard weeks and hard days, may we praise God.